Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. This week, we welcome the guest speaker to share a message with us. The following episode was recorded live during our Sunday service. Uh, our speaker this morning, Ms. Harriet Maurer, is a dear friend of Susan's and mine. She, we've known her, for, I think, about 15 years. I'm not exactly sure, but we've known her for a long time, and she has journeyed with with Susan and I through many transitions, through many big decisions, even coming here to Missouri was processed with her and her, her husband, Bill, who are like spiritual parents to Susan and I. I'm holding this box because people are gifts too, amen? And Harriet is a gift to Susan and I. So would you make her feel welcome this morning as she comes to present the word? <laughs> you know... I just can't sit there and have that be only me because, um, thank you. Well, before I came, I've been so interested in Van Gogh recently in the last few years, and he painted 11 pictures of sunflowers because every time he saw a sunflower, it reminded him of gratitude. And I thought, that's, that's who they are. Every time I'm with them, I'm grateful. And so these are for you. There are a few sunflowers in here. We couldn't find all sunflowers, but there they are. Thank you. We are grateful. I'm so, I'm so um, appreciative of Sam Rockwell, your former supervisor. Some of you perhaps remember him and know him because he would not let them go out of making a decision to come to uh, Grace Church. And I love that because he knew the combination of giftings that you have. You have amazing leaders here. I've listened to a couple of sermons in the past few weeks, and uh, you're blessed beyond measure. So I am grateful to be here. So grateful for you. <laughs> well, today we're going to be talking about, or first of all, I need to say thank you, ladies, for this last weekend. Loved being with you so much. What gracious ladies you have here and those who are at the retreat. I had a lovely time being with you. Scripture today is Ephesians 4, 1 to 7. We're going to be talking about being in touch with your calling, your personal calling. How to be in touch with it. The calling for the whole church, all of Grace Church. What, what's our calling together as well as individually? So I would like for you to read with me the scripture on the screen, please. Okay, everybody, here we go. I, therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, urge you to live worthily of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, putting up with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you too were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. When Paul wrote this to the Ephesians, he was in Rome as a prisoner. 
he identifies himself not as a prisoner of Rome, but as a prisoner of the Lord. Nero was ruling Rome at the time, and he was consumed with horrific leading. In fact, he had his mother, his sister, and his wife killed. So you can imagine the kind of horrible leader he was. In fact, it was his idea, let's burn Rome down. The reason being that we could burn all the statues that are up right now and instead replace them with my statue. So you talk about a narcissistic leader in those days. Nero was exactly that. So um, he thought, let's blame it on the Christians, and so they did. And as a result of blaming it on the Christians, Paul was the one who got to go to prison. So Paul states the uh, heart of, of who he was in those verses that he is a prisoner of the Lord. Another time in Acts, he was leaving Ephesus to go back to Jerusalem, and they did not want him to go because they were afraid of what might be happening. He said, here, I am bound by the Spirit. I am bound by the Lord. I am bound by the Spirit. And you don't have to be worried or concerned. That's a characteristic. There are two characteristics of living in his calling. One is to be in touch with Jesus, to know him. Another one is to follow him. Following Jesus, the phrase at the time that he was a rabbi and had some disciples with him, the phrase was this, walking in the dust of the rabbi. As you know, they wore sandals and it was dusty ground. So when they would travel with their rabbi, they wanted to be close enough to him literally, but more than that, close enough to him spiritually so they would get his theology, so they would understand the Old Testament better. And so they wanted to be close enough, so to speak, that they got his dust on their shoes. They wanted to walk that closely. Now, following a rabbi in those days was a big thing. The children would go through their, their schooling, and then once they got to junior high, they had a little bit more. But once they got to where we would consider senior high, they would either do one of two things. They would go and they would be a part of an apprenticeship, which is what Jesus did with his dad, or they would go on to Hebrew school to study and to be with a rabbi. So they would work hard in order to even be approved to be with this rabbi, because some rabbis were very difficult uh, preachers and teachers, and so they wanted to be with the best of the best. So that's why they tried hard. The rabbis didn't pick anyone. He had to choose and select, I pick you, I pick you. Mm, you can go to the next guy, I'll pick you. And so he wanted the best of the best. Now, when they were in the school with the rabbi and had the best of the best students, they were saying this, it's going to be hard for you. You have to study hard. You have to learn hard. You're going to have to be up late at night with those candles in order to get through this. It's a rough, rough road. What did Jesus say? Hey, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And the people hated that, the, the, especially the rabbis. How can he say that? This is a hard course. Plus, he didn't have people apply. He picked them. Who would have picked who Jesus picked? None of the rabbis would. So they discredited his uh, leadership as a, as a rabbi. So let's envision what a calling looks like for us. How do we walk? We do life. Walking is lifelike. So what does life walking with Jesus have to do with today? Well, Paul urges us, remember he said, I urge you, 
to live and walk worthily of the calling. With humility was the first one. In other words, he's saying, I beg you. He was so serious about this. So where is our calling? Well, for me, my calling is my husband. My calling are my kids, is my kids. My calling is my grandchildren. My calling are the neighbors that we have that we just moved to Charlotte three years ago from Cleveland, Ohio. Any Browns fans that want to admit it here? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> We're diehard fans, aren't we? The Cleveland Indians, weren't they great? The Indians, Guardians, the Cleveland Guardians. <laughs> anyway, so I'm sorry for getting off a little bit, but you did that because I heard you were from Cleveland. But anyway, the whole thing you see is where am I called to live? Where am I called in terms of my, uh, my neighbors? Where am I called in terms of my church? So there's a calling that's apart from what I do here what I'm a part of here. Your life is a calling. And that's the whole thing that Jesus represented. It's to live it out where you live. But there are blockers that get in the way of calling. And the first one, I wrote down a few that have been blockers for me. Selfishness. I just don't want to do it. Not that I'm tired of very frankly. I just don't want to. Another one is fear. Well, what if I do this or reach out or whatever and it won't be accepted from that other person. Another one is busyness. Busyness is the, the key addiction to us today. They say that even over the other addictions that would be normal for us to think about, busyness rules over it all because we're addicted to it. And we're consistently going here and here and here. Sorry, can't, I'm too busy. Or I'm too busy, and sure, I'll add that in order to make me even busier. But you see, our calling today is about this day, November 6, 2022. Where is it that the calling comes alive in us today? And Ephesians speaks out about it. We're going to talk especially about the calling of humility. But there are several, and I want you, us to look at them all now. Humility, we read about. Gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And you say, hey, wait, wait, wait. I thought I was called to teach. I was called to pastor. I was called to lead a small group. I was called to, that doesn't even mention any of it. Exactly. <laughs> That's where you live out your calling. Those are your assignments. But your real calling is to live with humility. That's the big one. So the opposite of humility is to be harsh, proud, short-tempered, conceited. But the definition of humility is to consider others more important than yourself. And it's not easy to look out after the needs of others. But Jesus' humility came even in his pain. You remember in scripture where it talks about Jesus is on the cross and he's in, we have no idea the pain that he suffered. You've seen the pictures. You've read accounts about it. You've read medical accounts about what happened to his body. While he was on the cross, what did he say to John? John, would you take care of my mom? Think about that. That his, that his painful, painful place where he was, in, in the midst of that, he said, John, watch out for my mom, okay? And the humility came through even at that point. 
Well, when the disciples, a few days after uh, Jesus died, they thought, let's not hang around here anymore. This is not the place for us to be. And uh, so they, they left, and, and one person said, probably, Peter, let's just go fishing. <laughs> we're just, we're just had enough here. It doesn't look good. So they said, great idea, and they did. While they were fishing all night, they... Um, they were in the morning, and Jesus was on the shoreline, and they heard a man say, hmm, have you caught anything? Well, you can imagine, oh, no. Oh, no, the last person we want to see now is Jesus. That sounds so familiar. We know it's him. And as, they, as he said, throw your net out on the right side of the boat, they did, and you know the story. They caught 153 fish. <clears throat> so then they joined him on shore, and he had prepared breakfast for them. It's really interesting. The disciples denied him just a few days before Jesus made breakfast. They deserted him. They ran away. Jesus cooked breakfast for them. They ran back to their old lifestyle. Jesus cooked breakfast for them. Wow. Wow. He didn't have a meeting with them to say, okay, guys, you knew this was going to happen. What went wrong? Okay, that happened here. I can understand that. He didn't do that. He cooked breakfast. And then as a result of that, <laughs> he spent some time with Simon, probably in the midst of everybody else, because <clears throat> he said, Simon, do you love me more than these? More than these do? Well, Simon had an answer when he said, do you love me? And he could have responded in, well, probably one of two ways, but there are three ways that love is cared for in their language of the day. And so the first love is the agape love, and you've heard that. And so Jesus said, do you agape me? Agape means Jesus kind of love, God kind of love, the love that's selfless, the love that shows humility. And uh, so he asked him that question. Well, the second kind of love is phileo love, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. And so love for brothers, love for brothers and, brothers and sisters in this context. And then the third kind of love is an eros love, an erotic love. So Jesus said, Simon, it's interesting he called him Simon. He didn't call him Peter, which he'd been used to calling him. Simon, do you love me? the agape way, he was saying, and Peter was like, oh, don't say agape. Oh, he, he knew he couldn't answer that. Yes, I agape you. So he said, you know, Lord, I phileo you. Yes. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Then Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And I'm sure that Simon Peter probably thought, not again. I mean, can you imagine everything falling apart inside of him? And then he said, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Just like Jesus would do for us, he said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you phileo me? Oh. And you know, Peter knew, he knew the whole story. And what Peter said was this, Lord, you know everything. He didn't recount it. He didn't replay it. He said, you know everything. You know that I phileo you. 
Jesus met him right where he was. And the interesting thing is that it says that Peter was grieved. Paul, or, uh, excuse me, Jesus could sense his grieving. But the calling on Peter was bigger than his sin, which is so beautiful. The calling on all of us is bigger than our failures. It's bigger than anything else. And we can say, oh, God, you saw it. You know it. And you know I fully owe you. And what does he say to us? Then feed my sheep. He's saying the same exact thing to us. Care for people. Well, you know, there's a, a plurality of calling as well as an individual calling. And your calling is not about title or position. It's about people. That's why you do what you do, because God's given you a love for people. I've helped some people to write their own creative statements uh, about their life, a life statement. And uh, when I help them do it, they oftentimes write something like this. I am called to teach, okay? Now, some of you are called to teach. I am called to serve on my, uh, as my son's soccer coach. Any soccer coaches in here? I am called, we just feel this, I'm supposed to do this, right? Actually, it's the way we work out our calling, as I said before, in order to do it. So here's the thing, that when we were working on their calling statements, they would say, I am called to be a teacher. I am called to be a coach. I am called to be, but that's not lifelong. See, then you have to have another calling statement when you're something else, and then another one when you're this. So the idea is, let's have a calling statement that can last your whole life no matter what you do. Now you can tweak it and change it and whatever as life goes on and God does some new things in us, but we want to begin with something that could start for a long time. And I'm going to share about calling in regards to these statements. Here's one. I am called to be a joyous peacemaker who anchors those around me. Now that can last forever. Called to be a peacemaker who anchors those. Here's another one. I am called to help people know they have been seen. Isn't that good? This is from your friend who's the worship leader at uh, the bridge in Christiansburg. I am called to unlock potential that shines with transformational life. Wow. Here's another one. I love this. This is from a gal. She lives in um, uh, Long Beach, California. And she said this, I am called to get in the trenches of life with people who need hope. Well, that's a picture. And that can, that's exactly what she does as well. All right, Sherry Dunnigan, <clears throat> my friend uh, from Virginia. I caught, as a supervisor, I, we had a time in our years where the missions director on our district uh, resigned from the position, so I needed a new one. And I had known Sherry a little bit through meetings and whatever, didn't know her well, but every time I prayed about who the next missions director was, I would pray and I would see Sherry's face. And so then Bill was praying with me, our team prayed, and they said, well, if you see her and you have her on her heart so much, she's probably the one. So I called her pastor, I said, hey, she, she's on staff at a church. I said, hey, Durant, what do you think about this? If I were to call Sherry and she would still stay at her church and this would be just something that she would do part-time. And he said, that sounds great to me. Why don't you call her? So I called her. 
And I told her about the, the plan and what she would be doing. And she said to me, Harriet, you've got the wrong person. I don't even have a passport, let alone to be over missions. Plus, I don't even know what the five continents are. Well, there aren't five continents. There are more than that. So she didn't know. And I said, OK, Sherry, passports are easy to get. Go downstairs. In your foyer is something like your, you guys. have got the big map of the world. Learn them. If that's your qualifications, you can learn those and this. The main thing is, do you want to be with people who don't live in the United States and tell them about Jesus? They said, well, okay, I just think you've got the wrong person. So anyway, she accepted, and she was. She did a great job. Here's her calling statement. <clears throat> Remember, she's courageous, okay? I am called to be a genuine and authentic voice that exhorts and inspires courageous change. <laughs> It's perfectly her, exactly. Now let me tell you what her job is today. And I cry thinking about it. She is the short-term missionaries coordinator for Foursquare Missions International. <laughs> is that the best? You see, the calling is to be, and then the calling is to do. So when we're being in our calling, here we go. Well, there is one, the Bible says, we read it, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all and in all and through all. So here we are, the generosity of Jesus. And the last verse is for you especially. Now grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace is all about generosity. That's it. It was on October 17th that I was doing my devotions. And uh, there was part of it that said, um, indeed, we have all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace, upon grace. I mean, it's just continually. You have grace now, you'll get more. <laughs> you have grace now, there will be more. It's upon, upon, upon. So I, I journaled a little bit about it. And then I had just a few minutes to be silent before the Lord and say, God, what do you want to show me about grace? What is it that you want to say? And here's what he gave me. First of all, it says, Harriet, I am grace upon grace. I'm going to say... Grace Church, because after I wrote this, and it was several days later, I came back and I thought, I think that's for Grace Church. That it wasn't especially for me. So think about this being for you in regards to your calling. Grace Church, I am grace upon grace to you, in you and through you. Don't hoard grace. When you give it, it multiplies in you. Don't overthink about giving grace. It doesn't belong to you. Grace is mine. What if today you gave grace upon grace at my nudging? Let's do it. Love, Jesus. God bless you. Would you stand with me?
I want to bless you before you go this morning, but I, I can't help but make a comment about something that Harriet said. I, I wrote this down. Um, I don't remember it quite the way that she said it in this service, last service, but I wrote down, she said, our calling is bigger than our sin. We need to hear that. We need to hear that. We are so good at self-disqualifying. We're so good at saying, I can't do fill in the blank because of some other thing that we have experienced or that's been done to us or that we participated in. The Lord would say to us as a church family that your sin doesn't disqualify you from you fulfilling your calling. So let his spirit stir up within you what could be in the future. Just like with Peter. Peter was not done. Peter, with all of his messing up, got breakfast. You're worthy of breakfast too. Amen? Let me speak this over you. Put your hands in front of you, out before you, and let me speak this blessing over you before you go. Grace Church family, may the Lord bless you, and may he keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that this message made a difference in your life. If you would like more information about Grace Church, be sure to connect with us by visiting grace417.com or connect with us by filling out a connection card on our app.